welcome to episode 282 of the Crate and Crowbar. It's 15th of May, and <laughs> I'm Tom Francis, I'm with here, I'm here with... Ice Pusher. And... Tom Senior. Hello. Hi, Hi Tom. <laughs> Tom's up. <laughs> We're doing it at a different location this week, so the quality will probably be not as good as usual. Um, or better. <laughs> could be better, yeah, we never used this particular setup. Before. It's intimate. <laughs> I thought, when I got in here, I thought, shit, Alex has really got his, his stuff together, because he's got this, like gold-plated looking cable going into his laptop, yeah. and now I realise it's for your headphones, not for the microphones. <laughs> <laughs> I like the fact that your value system is based entirely on gold. Not mm. <laughs> <laughs> well, told by video games. <laughs> you think that's what like, the only reason it's used and sort of seen as, <laughs> as a professional is, well, it's just very valuable, so it must be doing something. <laughs> what kind of things have you been doing on the computers? Um, yeah, there isn't that much news this week, no. it seems like. I mean, there's a bunch of just, like, release dates of things. It's the E3. Games that are announced, but we don't know about them, or they've been released, but we haven't played them. <laughs> um, I have been playing Path of Exile, because... Um, right on top of it. Yeah. <laughs> well, <laughs> see, the thing about Path of Exile, Alex, is that it's always new, because <laughs> they release an expansion every 13 weeks. Mm. Forever, it seems. Um... And I just keep hearing about it, and then I watched that GDC talk that I think I mentioned last week um, about uh, how they managed to release an expansion every 13 weeks, like how they managed to get that content um, pipeline that efficient, um, and it's a lot to do with turning light fittings into flying enemies. <laughs> um, what? So the, this is <laughs> the, the current league, the one I'm playing, um, is basically each league is like, um, they release some new content, and start basically a kind of new world for it to all to go in like a, a new um they call it an economy reset which is misleading because it doesn't actually like all your characters and stuff that you already have they don't get wiped or anything they just get moved to the default realm and then the, the new one the cool one which is this um this expansion is called synthesis synthesis league is just a new instance of the game where if you if you want to create a character there you'll be starting from scratch and there's something new added but it'll be kind of like spread throughout the game um, and most of it is just replaying the same stuff you already played. What do they mean by league? Um, is really it just like, like, is it's kind like, of like a competition? Is it like the sort of that, that there are, um, monthly, what, like that, what is it called in Diablo? Seasons. Seasons, yeah. Yeah, yeah I think it's very similar to that. Um, uh, and I think there are competitive things at the end game, but I'm nowhere near that. Um, uh, I got to the Delve stuff just recently, and there's a leaderboard for that, but I don't care about. <laughs> um, but mostly, it, it strikes me as quite smart because it means that Starting again is part of the game. Like, when new stuff comes out, you want to start again because you want to play the new stuff, so you've got to be on that server, so you need to start from fresh. And then that obviously pushes you to, like, maybe I'll try a class I haven't played before, or maybe I'll pick a class I have played before but take it in a different direction on the infinite passive skill tree, <laughs> which is, um, I think we might have mentioned this before, but the passive skill tree is just this astonishing, like, landscape that, um, of hundreds and hundreds of skills every class can get every can get any skill and they just start in different places on this vast map that's got a spider's web of interconnected skills that is actually really cool uh, like do you have you been inspired by it do you want have you kind of set out in the right place and kind of feel inspired by the direction you're taking on it I mean I'm I'm playing on PlayStation so browsing through that is a lot 
more work than it would be you with a mouse. And, <laughs> like, I have to like thumb over each little thing is to find doing, out what the hell it is. How, is it like? Do you have a pointer? Like, is it, this is really no, no question. But or is it sort of? I wish you I had to pointer, figure out yeah. what direction to push to get. Uh, to yeah, the next exactly. Line. You have right. to figure out what direction to push. And I wish they just did a fucking cursor mm. because I know people bitch about those, but honestly, the alternative is almost always worse. Yeah. Um, because there, there is a cursor, but it's invisible. Basically, like as you're walking around the world. Um, you're pushing the stick to, to move in direction. The left stick does everything. The right stick is used for nothing, seemingly. Um, and there is... Basically, if I'm walking towards the waypoint, and I want to use the waypoint, but I'm still holding forwards at the time I press use, my invisible cursor is actually like seven feet ahead of me, and it'll interact with some guy standing over there because that's where my cursor really is, but I can't see where the cursor is. Like, I don't mind the cursor doing some weird shit, but I need to be able to see it if you're going to fuck with it. <laughs> anyway, the passive skill tree is really cool because it... Um, the thing I didn't realize is, is that it replaces both passive skills and attribute level ups. So at, like when you, in Diablo 1, you're pumping points into strength or dexterity and intelligence, and it was a kind of a non-decision because either you just put all the points into the thing that was useful for your class, um, or you had some special bit of kit and you just put points into the stat until you could use that. This just makes that more interesting by rolling it into the passives thing because like what you want to have more of and what you can have more of kind of varies with each level you know depending on what you've invested in the past so like i've just got this really cool skill that means i leech energy shield from people so in other words when i hurt them my shield recharges um and because i've got that now i'm uh i'm close to a node that will give me plus 10 dexterity and i'm a kind of i'm a witch i'm mostly an intelligence class and everywhere like branches coming from off from everything i can possibly invest in uh, there's branches that have little plus 10 intelligence nodes on them. So I can always get plus 10 intelligence from anywhere, basically. And I keep going down that all the time. But because I've moved in this direction, I think I think it's to do with, like, there's a lot of minion-y skills around here, and that kind of takes me in a dexterity direction. And now I'm close to some dexterity stuff, and so I can branch out to that. And so it's got this kind of organic feel of, you know, customizing your character in a way that they're sort of notionally related to each other, but they're pretty... Um, uh, not everything is, you know, similar to everything that it's close to. But I'm, I think I'm moving towards the dexterity kind of direction. Mm. Um, and then you'll you'll be doing that. And I'll put plus 10 dexterity because I've got some kind of robe thing that, um, or some leather armor that has some good mage stuff, but it's technically a kind of a dexterity thing. And it has a requirement for that. And after I do that, uh, now I'm closer to some interesting dexterity skills to do with, like critical hits and stuff like that. So just like the decisions you're making at each level are different and it's changing all the time it's just got kind of some texture to it which is really good the weird thing um is that the active skills are done with gems that you socket into your equipment and uh that is kind of nuts <laughs> like it's it's a lot like diablo 3 in the sense that you can swap things in and out anytime you like so gems are just you know, new skills that you get, like the things that actually determine how you play. Like, am I casting a lightning bolt or am I stabbing a guy at close range or swinging around with an axe or whatever? Those are just gems you find in the world and you get given ones that are sort of appropriate to your class, but you can get any of them. Yeah. Um, and again, it's kind of true to their, their philosophy of like anyone can be anything ultimately. Um, and but then they're color coded. And so if I have, um, like a blue gem that gives me a lightning power, I need to have an item that has a blue socket in it. Like sockets have colors as well. And then there are support gems, which are uh, things that just affect the skill they're connected to. And 
that means they have to be in a, in a socket of their color on the same weapon or item, because you have sockets on like your, your armor as well. And those sockets need to be linked. There's like, it, there's a difference between things that like, it has a blue and a red socket, but they're not connected to each other. So I can't put my blue skill on my red support skill and have it affect it. Uh, and then sometimes there'll be like something with four sockets and the red and the green one are connected and the blue and the red one, uh, a blue and another red one are connected, but those two pairs are not connected to each other. And so that determines like the number of possible combinations is just insane. Yeah. And it's, I guess that's depth. <laughs> like there's stuff there to think about. I find it a overwhelming. There's just so much. <laughs> like, if you find a new piece, I've, I've just, for like the first time in in ages, I found a whole load of items that actually are better than what I have, but they don't have the right sockets at, as the ones I already have. So if I switch them out, I've got a. I'm not going to give up the, the skills that are in those things. I have to get those skills. So either I need to find some other bit of equipment that has the same sockets as the one I'm giving up, or I need to try and mod these items I've got to get the right number of sockets and the right colors of sockets because you can apply. Um, like orbs of transmutation. And oh, you could monkey around orbs. with those. With them, yeah. really. right. So there's one that but nothing does anything predictable. It's always, this one randomizes the number of sockets in it. And this one randomizes <laughs> the color of the sockets. <laughs> this one randomizes how they're connected. And you get like, you're finding these things all the time. And for ages, I haven't been using them all. Uh, haven't been using them at all. But then I've got these three unique items, all of which are better than what I have in the, in the respective slots. Uh, none of which have the sockets I need. And so I burn through all of my consumables, like randomizing, <laughs> re-rolling, like, is it going to have blue and red? Is it going to have blue and red? Is it going to have blue and red? Because in the, I think I probably put about sort of three hours into it. And I definitely remember I learned to recognize like the rare slot combinations. And they were obviously the ones yeah. you want because mm-hmm. they know the, the kinds of skills that you it's, kind of need and want. That's, and this might change in the end game, but I, I played for, I'm like level 46, I'm on Act 4, and I've played for maybe 16 hours, so I've played a lot now. Um, and uh, so far, I have not needed to really care about what the stats on an item are, except the sockets. The sockets are just so important. Like mm. The skills are just everything. But also, thing- the thing you want to do, because I remember I had a thing that kind of made explosions and then then something else which would then heighten these explosions and another thing that would double the number of explosions. I can't like remember something like that, yeah, all the gems, and it was really nice kind of build your own weapon system yeah. yeah yeah so that's cool but then once you've got that weapon that supports that yeah you, can now, you don't care about weapons ever again basically yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> unless you unless you either because the problem is the chances of finding another weapon that has the exact um, same sockets same colors of sockets um same connectivity of sockets uh that's really low and like i say technically you can use your consumables to turn something else into it but it's not the the difference in the stats of those items uh, is not big enough that it's worth checking every single one of them and then like, modify. Oh, this one has slightly more spell damage, so mm-hmm. I'll I'll respec it to try and match, make it match the sockets I already have. And the other thing is, it's just fucking difficult to see what is valuable. Like I went to it with a dabbling mindset of like, oh, a rare drop, I'll pick that up. Like it's not really for my class, but I'll take it because it's going to be super valuable. And then you trade it for like a fragment of an identify scroll. <laughs> if I get oh, five yeah. of those, I can have an identify scroll, which is what I, I used up to find out what this fucking thing was. <laughs> One billion like crafting materials, aren't there? Like, yeah, there's just... no money. Uh, there's yeah. no money at all in the game. It's all scraps of like these chroma- consumables. Yes. Like, identify scrolls, like these chromatic orbs that randomize the, the colors of sockets. All those are consumables, but the exchange rate from like a co- an item that seems super valuable and, and rare and exciting to those is extremely low. Like <laughs> you come back with the halls, just your inventory is packed full of rare items that have stats that you can tell are good. They're not, you know, 
things that you particularly need, but uh, they seem great. And they trade them all in, and you just get a fucking pittance back. <laughs> this is a fragment of an orb I don't need. <laughs> and so I just I just don't pick them up anymore. I just leave everything on the ground. So <laughs> I just leave everything lying around. I scan it, and like a you know um, uh, cursor over it to to figure out like is any of this. Is any stuff that is generally for my class is any of it better than what I have? This one, uh, slightly, but it doesn't have large sockets, so it's not worth it. Or this, or 99% of the time, no, it's just not It's not better, or it doesn't have the same time. Really, there's probably about as much busy work in the Diablo thing, because the Diablo thing of, you know, there being enough worth in picking up all the crap that, you know, because you can you can break it down or you can sell it. Like, there's, there's the busy work in that versus the busy work in kind of... Um, all the, the crafting materials. I found in Diablo it was satisfying because it was busy work in that it wasn't interesting, but it was productive. I was always just I was hoovering the stuff up, taking it to town, breaking it down to stuff that was... Usually I'd just sell it, and um, only if I was working towards some specific crafting thing would I break it down. And the stuff I was getting was valuable to me. Or, it, or in the case of money, money just feels valuable anyway. Even if you don't need money for anything in Diablo, it just feels good to be selling the stuff. Oh, look, I made a profit. Like... Unless you don't have that ever, it's just like, oh, I just, I guess I won't even take the town because I don't need those orbs that it <laughs> turns into. Um, and yeah, so it's really weird. It's like a loot game where I'm just, it, it has those like loot fountain moments that Diablo has too, mm. when you like kill a big boss or open a big chest and it just the whole screen fills with text of all the stuff that you found. And like there's six rares and one mm. unique and all this other stuff and all these special gems and stuff. And most of the time, I just leave it all on the ground. <laughs> None of this, it's not relevant to me, and it's not worth selling. So, and the time it takes to get through it, because it's all about how fast you get through the content, really. Because it's, um, especially for me, because I've been finding it crazy easy, like just freakishly easy. First thing, like I say, I'm a witch, and the first gem I got was um, a cold pulse, which is like um, it's a cold projectile that goes through everything. And it seemed to be quite high damage, and it also freezes them sometimes, like slows them down. And uh, so that was kind of like all advantages and no disadvantages. Like if it was low damage but it hit everyone, then that would be uh, you know a trade off. But it just seems to be like high damage penetrates everything, so it hits everyone at once. Um, and that was actually what got me kind of into the game in the first place, because I really love my favorite thing in action RPGs is just like lining everyone up so that my attack hits all of them at once, and just like optimizing that. Um, and then the next thing I got, the support gem for it, was one that um, makes it so 50% of the people you kill come back as spectres that fight for you. Yes. <laughs> oh, I have that And the spectres yeah. have penetrating projectiles, so their shots go through everything as well. <laughs> and they're just, like, you can have up to, like, eight of them or something. <laughs> and that's just, it might even be, like, ten. And that's just happening all the time, basically, for free. That's me no mana just to have. So I've just got a swarm of ghosts with me at all times. And they're, they're annihilating everything. And as I leveled up, my power just increased faster than everyone else's. And so it got to the point where that attack that penetrates everything also killed everything in one hit. Mm. And then I found a support gem that makes it fire three projectiles instead. And each one does like 30% less damage, but there's three of them. So you're doing, on average, like way more. (laughs) And they're all turning things into ghosts. And then I got an aura that means every time I hit someone, like a ghost herald comes out of me who then fights for me uh and they do like i don't know some kind of there's some kind of holy thing i'm not quite sure what they do but <laughs> basically i've got two armies now um and i've now at first i thought maybe i just lucked into this crazy good cold skill and then i i found a lightning one and i generally like chain lightning it's usually satisfying mm. in diablo that was one of my favorite skills so i put that in 
that's fucking amazing as well. <laughs> and so now, like, I, when a mob, uh, you know, even at level 46, mobs show up, like, something enters the corner of my screen, and I immediately click on it. I cast lightning on it. The lightning hits them. It then chains to four other targets. Each time it chains, it branches off as well, so another branch hits someone else. So it basically chains to um, eight more targets. And all of them die. Half of them come back as ghosts. Four more ghosts come out of me. Those ghosts just mop up everything else. <laughs> and the only, like, that, I never need to vary that tactic because um, it's so powerful. Like, the damage is so high on it that even when um, that you encounter special enemies, like, they're not actually unique, but they're sort of, like, rare enemies that have um, a list of resistances and stuff. And sometimes they'll have, like, resist lightning. And... Uh, I don't have time to read whether they have resist lightning or not because they've died so fast on my lightning. <laughs> like even sometimes I've just glimpsed that they have resist lightning at the moment they die from my lightning. <laughs> well, in theory, you are perfectly expected to be challenging to me, but it didn't happen because <laughs> this thing's just powerful. Everything I find is super powerful and I can add gems to it to make it even more powerful. Can you skip up levels? Because Diablo is great at this because you could just go up into Torment as fast as you yeah, want Yeah, you can't. To. Weirdly. Yeah, that's I had to Google it eventually because I, I kept looking for an option for this. Um... And then the information I found, which turned out to be wrong, was that once you hit level 40, you can, or once you hit Act 4, um, you can start again in uh, Cruel mode. And uh, then that, that turns out that a year ago they took that out, and now all these leagues they've been adding, they've been adding more content. And now instead of playing four acts through three different times at increasing difficulty levels, there's just ten acts. <laughs> and you have to play them all in order, and there's no difficulty modes at all. Oh, right. And it's... Yeah, it's very strange because the people who who have played this a load and are excited about the new league for what's new in it have got to be blazing through this stuff to get to like the end game, which is what they're you know where they kind of live, and they must be better than I am, so they must find it even easier. But it's not like like I'm right on the brink of do I just run past everything? <laughs> do I because yeah. they can't kill me and I can kill them in one hit. It's trivial for me. Like if I want to get XP, then I should I kill them mm. and. I, get XP really fast and leveling up constantly. Um, but I don't need to because they can't really hurt me. <laughs> and that means that it's like all that passive skill stuff is kind of, it's hard to know what to put points into because like, you don't know how you're I can't die yeah. and everything dies in one hit. So I don't want to spec up damage or health. <laughs> so you, you've not <laughs> been in any situations where you've just sort of, you know, that Diablo thing where you're doing finding and finding and finding. Oh dear, you're dead. Mm. Have you had that kind of thing mm. at all? I have like a couple of times along the way. Um, and then like, that will happen once, and then I'll be like, okay, now I spec into Energy Shield for the next 12 levels. And in fact, the time it happened, it was because I hadn't spent my last nine skill points, because I just didn't know what the fuck to put them in. What do I need? I don't know. I don't need anything. I'm just going to carry on owning everything. And this is, like, not just the main game, but the the new thing in, in Synthesis is these, like, memories you go into, and it's this super intense sort of heightened experience where just there's, uh, you know, 20 mobs with bosses in them all at once, and you have to rush through them on a time limit to get to these memory stabilizers but even then you know that's when the one the few times i have died is in those but 90 percent of the time there uh, there's no challenge there even when i kind of run past them instead of taking them on carefully um and then yeah if i do die to one of those then i spend my nine over <laughs> over uh two points into specking out my mana shield and then it's all trivially easy again it's really weird i don't know why it's so easy <laughs> the thing i did uh, manage to counteract the my loot um, ennui a bit by becoming basically uh, trash lord <laughs> because I found a skill that it's called animate weapon and it will take any it's only 
identified weapons. So if it has some magical properties and you haven't identified it, then it won't work on that. But the basically trader trash that just lies on the floor, like just some standard axe. You're level 46 and you're still finding the same basic like axe and knives that you were at the start. They have no value. Um, you cast a spell on them and they just kind of like wake up and they just move around and follow you around like they as if they're being held by an invisible combatant who then works for you. And oh. you can have up to like 17 of these active at once. It costs no <laughs> so you've mana. You've got these ghosts following you around, but also <laughs> got two ghosts. armies of ghosts and then a horde of weapons. And <laughs> that is really cool because now the the loot means at least something to me. It's not that much. So they, 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 they're doing damage as well. Yeah, they walk around. They just attack. <laughs> I think what? I have a theory that they actually just they're animated as if there is a person holding them. Like it's yeah. just you know, it's a big thing. Actually, it's just it's invisible. They have to animate it anyway for if a player is holding it, so they just kind of take that animation and play it <laughs> without the player there. <laughs> and uh, uh, that even that was too much effort eventually <laughs> because I found a way to automate that. Because um, the only problem with that is you had to it would only animate the weapon you kind of highlighted, and because I don't have a cursor that I can see. I have to kind of nudge my character closer and closer to the weapon that I want it to animate. And if I'm near one that's magical, it doesn't work. Um, I have to find the, the mundane stuff. Uh, but then I found there's a support skill that modifies the skill it's connected to so that instead of you casting it, you create a totem and the totem casts it. <laughs> so now when there's like a, a one of those loot fountains, I just put a totem <laughs> in the middle that's going to animate all the weapons to work for me. <laughs> and it, it can only cast them like cast it once every second or something. So it's just like a steady kind of, oh, this weapon wakes up, now the pole arm wakes up, now the, the mole wakes up, <laughs> and they all follow me and I walk away. The sorcerer's fucking apprentice. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Murder blender. <laughs> and it has no combat utility, really, because I've already got so many ghosts and so much damage that they never get a chance to do anything, but it just feels good to be making some use of this loot. <laughs> it's giving it a second life. Yeah. yeah. It's a real shame that scaling's wrong, because um, I actually reviewed the very first version of it for PC oh. Gamer, and uh, really liked it. We should, we should mention it's completely free to play. Uh, yes. Apart from cosmetics. And, like, they're, they're really serious about that divide. Like, you only yeah. play for cosmetics, uh, as far as I can tell. I've never even been, like, pushed to spend anything on anything. Yeah. Just, no. like, honestly, if I'd spent, like, 50 bucks on this game, it would make perfect sense. Yeah, it's, as a free to play game, even at launch, it was an incredibly generous proposal. Like, much of that skill, amazing skill web was in place at launch. And since then, they've just added more and more of just areas and zones and enemies to kill and stuff like that. And it's, it's absolutely enormous now. You, yeah. you, if you want to, you could pour hundreds of hours into it. And um, it reminds me a bit of Warframe, where a lot of the grind and stuff in Warframe feels quite unreasonable. But when you see it's a free-to-play game, and if I was, like, 13 and couldn't really afford many games, I would yeah. uh, play this game to death. I'd play Path of, Path of Exile to death for the same reason, just because if you have the time to like, keep on trying to get that optimal drop of slots, then that's... That's like as satisfying as a sixty-pound game. And the leagues just—they've—I mean, in the ones that I've looked at and the couple that I've played, like there's—they mix up rules in a sort of in a, an interesting enough way. Mm. While while staying totally true to the, like Delve was just yeah. a really fun game, like where you're chasing this—you're in a dark um, mine. Um, if you're in the dark, you will take take damage at a very fast rate. Yeah, um, that's the other thing that's killed me so far. <laughs> <laughs> And you're following a minecart, which is travelling from node to node through this kind of randomly generated mine. Oh, cool. And it and it's got light on it. You get to direct it as well, don't you? you to an extent, it yeah. You you it goes to a node. You tell it what node to go to, but then you're chasing after yeah. keeping up with it as monsters are coming at you. So you've got to keep. Basically, it's a it's a game of keep up, mm. and um and it's just really good fun. And like there are all these. Slightly off the path stuff where you go, oh, shall I make a rush into this little, little antechamber room where there might be some loot, or shall I play it safe? I thought, you know, that's 
that's a cool little sort of you know action RPG sort of addition, you know, to yeah, that little idea. That that was a league, I take it. Yeah, it was. Mm. Yeah, and so that all the previous leagues, uh, the actual like that kind of instance of the game closes down, but that content kind of works its way into the game anyway. And so I've just got to Act Four where Delve is part of it, like it's just integrated now. Right, nice. And um, that works. The thing that synthesis adds is these memory things. Like I say, it's just super intense, like rush around and kill everything. To be honest, Delve is just better than that because it's Delve has a pacing to it. Like yeah. you set the minecart car on a course, you follow it, and it, then it's super intense. And you're fighting everything. You've got to keep up with the uh, the minecart really closely. But it's, um, it's you're choosing how difficult the challenges as well, aren't you? Yeah, you get to choose. Yeah, before you pick a node, it tells you what what is there. Like, is it some cool weapons or is it some some azurite uh, and also what level of the monsters that are going to mm-hmm. be there and then when you get there you're in this little pool of light and there's still some things following you and you, you I, I just go into the pool of light and all my hovering trash <laughs> cleans up the mobs and my army of ghosts my army of free ghosts um, cleans up everything while I loot the, the stuff that's there um, and then you get this nice kind of like rest period where you, like there's some reward there usually and that might be a little fight as well uh, and then you you know look through all the loot don't do anything with most of it <laughs> and then uh, decide where you want to go next and that has a really nice rhythm to it um, and yeah it's cool it's just in the game as a thing you can do now should go back to it yeah the, the challenge thing is it's weird that it's so easy it's not a deal breaker obviously because I played it for 16 hours anyway because mm-hmm. like I fucking love Chain Lightning <laughs> yeah. the fact that my Chain Lightning is killing everything and turning them all into ghosts it's not a bad thing <laughs> yeah. it's just I, I think the weirdest thing is that there isn't some op- optional extra mode because I'm doing all the challenge like when it comes up with those rifts that's the kind of thing like in Dablo I probably just wouldn't do I'd try it once and die and think okay this is not for me mm. but in this I'm just like yeah sure I'll do that if there's anything that can harm me in any way bring it on <laughs> but even those are too easy and it's, it's weird that it's not actually because those games are not at their best when you are actually challenged like yeah. it, you know it, you, it's not fun to see your health go down it's fun to have to have interesting sort of ideas about how mm. you're going to maximise your damage. Yeah. But if you don't have reason to max out, then that's where it becomes slack. Yeah. I think it, it got me thinking about, like, what do I want from these games? Because, I, like you say, I don't like it when it does, like, what typically happens is it's an instant kill, right? You're mm. fine, 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 and then something, oh my god, I just lost all my health in, like, one second or something. I, didn't even, I couldn't even see what it was in this big fray. In fact, the Dell thing... I thought I'd finally met my match. I thought the difficulty scaling was going up because these bosses were killing me. And then after a while, I realised, no, it's because I'm too far behind the minecart. <laughs> the darkness just kills you at an insane rate. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, like, I, do, I think it probably is just too difficult to make this kind of frenetic combat, like, readable enough that when, some, when you do get into trouble, you know what's happening and can react to it in an intelligent way. I was happy for a while with, like... Um, I would get to bosses and I'd switch to a different skill. Like when I was doing the cold thing, I'd, I'd intentionally expect it to spread out more and hit everything at once for lower damage. That meant when I found a boss that wasn't optimal for the boss, it was still really easy to kill the boss, but I kind of, I pretended that it was harder than it was and decided, okay, I should have one other skill that I use sometimes. Um, and invested in like a scorching ray thing. It's like a flame attack and it's you channel it, so you just hold it down. And it's got that nice thing that Dabo has as well where you can't, your turn rate is limited while you're doing it yeah, so it kind right. of feels kind of heavy um, and I expect that with stuff that like with Arcane Surge which means after I spend a certain amount of mana on it uh, I get a boost to its damage and I get a boost to mana and um, all this other stuff and like basically expect all its intensity and that was I think that's the kind of stuff I want to do 
but I want to have to do it because actually mm. I ended up just not using that in the end because it was my cold thing is just so fucking good that <laughs> the bosses still died there. And also you're never fighting just a boss, right? It's always a boss and a million minions. Mm. So you still kind of want the thing that just hits everything at once all the time and that's still better. Yeah, Diablo 3 has kind of eventually arrived at an interesting solution to this, which is to have like loads and loads of incremental torment modes. Yeah. And uh, when you hop up to a torment mode that you're... It, it's almost like you get to choose the amount of resistance you you accept from, from the combat. Because yeah. uh, you could probably like go two levels up and then spend like twice as much time going through it if you're careful. That's it, yeah. Like, so there's rift dungeons where mm. it's all about how fast you can run through it. Yeah. Like that, so that's a nice... DPS check. Yeah, it's, and it's basically a... Yeah, it's a test on whether you're at the right torment level. Really. Yeah, precisely. Do you have to kill everything in those? Um, no. no. You have to well, kill... actually, no, you have to, you have to kill you have to, to fill, fill the bar. bar. Yeah, yeah, you have to fill the bar. Okay. Through. You don't have to murder literally everything, but you just keep on going. And you have to fill the bar before the time runs out. Summon a boss that you then have to kill for rewards, if I remember rightly. Um, but even in just like the general acts, just going through the normal story acts or in adventure mode, uh, you could go like a couple of torment levels higher if you respect your character with extra defensive abilities and then put extra stats and built your armor in a certain way. Uh, so it was, it, it's up to you as a player then whether you want to do that and play in this so methodical way or whether you want to go down and act, uh, go full DPS and just kind of kill as much stuff you want and then eventually power up to the next level. Is it, I think it's up to different players want different things from that. Different players have, I assume, have different kind of tolerance levels for the amount of threat you have in a game yeah. like an action RPG because there should be friction but like you say it shouldn't be an instantaneous squash it should be like a continuous sense it's about, of it's about the bars going down mm. like the right freight like you just need I think it's you need the bar's got to be going down in about 1.2 seconds <laughs> your health bar yeah oh the bar of an enemy because like, okay. you're watching it it's sort of you're just watching the enemy yeah. and, and then you're doing mm. the thing that over and over again you want the feeling that you're wading through yeah. opponents uh, but you don't want the feeling that you're kind of like stuck walking uh, and just stuck. Yeah, or, you know, there's a sweet spot there where there's there's a degree of resistance that's satisfying, and that, which is kind of fascinating. Really, I don't know how you're supposed to guess that for the player. You know what I mean? Like, well, that's the torment thing, isn't it? Like, yeah, yeah. The player to decide. Yeah, exactly. Right. There's a good solution. I think I'd like to be pushed to like be using escape skills sometimes. Mm. Like, I have a teleport, but I, I never needed to get yeah. out of danger. I just use it to get in danger faster. <laughs> it's not challenging enough. Um, but yeah, like coming up against something that's really nasty and then having to teleport out just to kind of give yourself a sec to get mana back and then regroup and go back in. I uh, There's a thing, there's like a concept of reserved mana in this. Like if you have an aura, I, I kind of like this. Instead of having to switch to it and cast it and spend some mana and then it runs out and you've got to switch back and cast it again, it just reserves a chunk of your mana bar. So um, like 30% of your mana, you basically have 30% less max mana while this thing is active. Um and that sounds like a big penalty, but I, I now have three of those active. Like, one is the one that summons friendly ghosts from me. Um, the one that summons wraiths from the people I kill is completely free. It doesn't take up any mana. Um, and then I've got one that gives... Like, it's full of these just, like, have-everything choices, where it's like, even when you get a quest reward, you, you get a choice of... Instead of getting a choice of, like, three skills you could take, you get a choice of, like, nine skills... <laughs> And then all of the eight you don't pick are just in the shop and they cost one identify scroll to buy. <laughs> so you can just buy them all. Like, there's kind of no choice. And then I had one where like all of the rewards were like Herald of Ash, Herald of Light, Herald of, of Storms and all stuff. And it was like, it felt like it was asking me to pick your aura. Do you want to enhance your lightning or enhance your fire or enhance your holy? And I realized, no, I can have them all. I can use them all simultaneously. <laughs> and the only cost is that mana reserve thing. 
And so I used three of them at once, which reserves 95% of my mana. My mana bar is this tiny little sliver, but my mana regen is so good that it doesn't, it's irrelevant how much max mana I have because it generates faster than I can spend it. So I just have infinite mana. <laughs> I did think that from the, when I did play it, I did think this is a Tom game because basically <laughs> it's just giving, giving and giving and giving. Yeah, yeah, I like generous games more than I like stingy games. This one has maybe gone a bit too far. So, I, <laughs> so I, the thing I, I have heard, because I've been doing research um, to find out, well, I was Googling, like, how do you increase the difficulty? Um, and a lot of people saying after Act 4 is when it gets a lot harder. Mm. Um, so I guess I've got that to look forward to. I kind of think you should make it harder sooner. <laughs> like, I don't know why it's, um, it's straightforward. Maybe they expect there to be a learning curve to the character you're playing as, given that... They don't know what builds you're going to end up with. Yeah. Absurd yeah, I wonder what it's like with a melee character. Like, mm. I mean, it seems like they have stuff that's basically equivalent to this. Like, you can have skills that just make you, like, a constant whirlwind. Like, you're just always spinning all the time. That's classic kind of thing. <laughs> Yeah. Double two barbarian, yeah. But I don't know if that's... It feels more challenging. Mm. What have you guys been playing? I've been playing Destiny 2. It's quite mm. an interesting segue because the, these also are both a loot game. these are both loot living loot games that uh, you know keep an audience coming back with new content. And um, I really, really like some of the ways that Destiny Two does this. And last week, um, people going into one of Destiny 2's dungeons suddenly noticed an enemy that wasn't there before, mm-hmm. and uh, you know they're just in a sort of dark underground corridor. And uh, there's going to be some spoilers here for an exotic quests. So if you're playing Destiny and you, you, you already know what I'm talking about, but uh, skip the next 10 minutes while I describe what happens because it is fucking awesome <laughs> uh, so people just go through a, a normal strike I think this it's, is a strike it's, is it? I think it's like an adventure or a strike one of the one of the kind of right they tend to put this stuff in adventures don't they really? yeah maybe it is an adventure actually uh, and they go through this corridor and a shrieker appears and mm. shriekers uh, are weird unusual enemies like they don't occur that often in the game and they're very very noticeable because they're like floating uh, bone kind of constructs that open up uh, to reveal like a, 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 an orb of dark energy inside that then zaps you and it does loads of damage whilst while it screams and at they're you. Really ah! they're really annoying. <laughs> they're really annoying. Yeah, it's, it's the time, it's the reason why you carry a sniper rifle with you or something to actually just take those things out so you don't have to worry about them for the rest of the encounter. Yeah. But but, but going into quite, quite a small corridor and having one of these things just appear in front of you as you go through a doorway is a highly unusual thing to encounter in Destiny. So people go because they're usually this, in large rooms hanging up, hanging in the air way above. Yeah, they're, they're basically like counter snipers, basically. Yeah. They, force, they force you to have a pulse rifle or a long-range weapon in your arsenal. Um, but the, very noticeably spawned in this completely ordinary you know, adventure that people have done thousands and thousands of times before. Uh, so people like, killed the Shrieker and were like, well, that was odd, never seen that before. And then they got their ghost out and started scanning around and they found two weird fragments on the ground that they could scan. Uh, which they did, and at which point a mysterious door opens up that's never been opened before in that particular encounter. <laughs> oh, this is the uh, this is the ticket. <laughs> this, is a, this is a bungee classic. They did this thing with a a quest in the previous expansion, but um, they go through the door. They find you know scan around some more, and they find an alien transponder just lying on the floor in this you know brand new room, and they pick it up, and it appears in your inventory, and you go into it, and it has six short poems. <laughs> oh dear. It's the most, it's the most, this is the most destiny shit it's so good it's so good and so people are just like what the fuck is happening uh, and you know loads of like, smart people on reddit obviously started digging into it and they realised that they're like codes pointing you towards uh, six lost sectors scattered throughout the solar system oh, right. and lost sectors are just like 
mini dungeons that you do in the open world sections. So you go to a cave and there'll be like a, a short mini dungeon with a boss at the end. They figured out that, you, oh, you have to scan a node in each of these six locations. And then once you do that, like it lights up in this object, this transponder that you picked up. Uh, and once you've got all six, uh, uh, just a chunk of absolute nonsense stream of like string of just numbers and brackets and, you know, bits of punctuation appears. And they're like, oh, God. I think <laughs> it starts to transcribe it into a computer <laughs> to find out what waveform it and makes. I don't think anyone's actually deciphered what the hell that the block really? of text means yet. Huh. Uh, but uh, what happens in these instances is basically like people are ready, they just all get together and they send out scouts, scattered to every part of Destiny's maps and all of the worlds to see if anything's changed or anything's new. And someone went back to a completely abandoned social space called The Farm, I've seen so much conjecture about the farm and what the hell it's for. Yeah. Because Why? Because it's it, like a vestigal in- organ, isn't it? It now? really is, because it just gets dropped halfway through Destiny 2's story. And it's the place that you go to at the very start of Destiny 2's kind of quite like, you know, campaign. Like, yeah. Isn't it uh, where your pets go when they die? It's also that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The, go- the, the Destiny ghosts are there. <laughs> you can play football there. There's loads of stuff there that. You know, then actually there's a main social hub that you eventually unlock. Yeah, you, you finish the story, then you end up at the tower, and then you just stay at the tower for, 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 the, for the past two years. Yeah, nobody's yeah. had any reason to go to the farm. Someone goes back to the farm. Like, someone just like, think, I'm going to go there. I, I <laughs> the scout, I'm going to go to this completely irrelevant part of the universe. <laughs> and they, they look around, and they find, to the right, this one area, oh, this, um, this, this, this door to a basement was never opened before. Oh. And so they go down and like this completely new just a couple of little bits of underground basement uh, and you, you, you go, go into a space where it looks like it's a dusty old abandoned library and all the shelves are empty and crumbling but there's a light at the end and you see the shadow of a fallen captain just spread across the wall uh, and like, the fallen one of the enemies of the game um, but they are sentient so you, you go forwards and slowly you turn a corner and there's kind of like a, a fallen collapse against the wall that's still alive and you you kind of you shoot him. <laughs> You've got to put away. It's a social area. You can't shoot him. Uh, so you interact with him, and suddenly it throws you into an amazing quest that sends you back to the old tower, and it's really, really difficult uh, in combat encounters. It then become a complex jumping puzzle that gets you into the guts of the old tower, uh, and down there, there's, it's, it's, it's like a maze of vents, and there are like strange consoles with symbols all over them, and there's a room where there are just like, you know, uh, panels on the floor. And if you step on them in the wrong order, you get instantly obliterated by like sunbeams from just like hovering directly above you. And so the community has to figure out like the precise way to tread on these panels to get through this. And then, and this is like kind of the coup de grace of the, the, this quest. They go into a very confined series of corridors. And that's where they meet Trevor. um, trevor is is the new hero slash villain of the destiny community it's it's uh in these narrow corridors an enormous sort of cleaning robot that actually looks i was thinking it's got to be a cleaning robot it's a it's a a mass of just kind of it's it's actually terrifying it's like a mass of just like shredding legs that just like zooms around this like you know (laughs) chasing you uh, and uh, you know when it's near by uh, all the lights go red and you just hear this like growing roaring noises getting closer and closer and closer behind you and it's just like it's just there it seems like a thing that's just designed to clear biological matter out of the guts of the tower <laughs> and suddenly you're in there with it and you have to like dash and go into like safe rooms and wait until it kind of moves away and then try and slip around huh. it 
Um, it sounds a bit like um, some of the design in the um, the uh, Volta glass, mm. um, where you're avoiding those lighting things. Yeah. yeah, there are little sort of stealth sections like that, yeah. investing in the raids and stuff yeah. like that. But for this to appear in just a random mission that players have discovered that was buried in a different ordinary mission, mm. is like to me just something that only Destiny does, only Bungie does with um, this. This idea of having like a live audience that you're really familiar with that has a certain tone and certain expectations. And it's really responding to what those. people talk about, like, oh, what, what goes happening at the farm? And then there's there is a whole thing about the cleaning robots because mm. there are these animated cleaning robots just 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 constantly playing in rooms that you have no reason to go into, <laughs> like, and they're just down in the bowels of the of the of the, of the tower. So there's one that has this sort of. Yeah, that famous one was great because like, he was in Destiny 1, it was just one of the NPCs that was just kind of there to decorate the social hub. Yeah. Uh, and there's, there's an even worse version of this in Division 2, whereas I think you go into it's the White House or something like that. If you look to your right, um, forever there is someone trying to resuscitate someone who's, who's dead. <laughs> and like, that idle that animation will just play forever and Let ever. Let it go! He's <laughs> already dead. Uh, so there's a version of this that's just like a, a robot that sort of swept the tower. And when the tower got blown up in Destiny 2, uh, they made a point of like showing him surviving because he would become iconic to Des- Destiny 1 players. Uh, and it's kind he's of still on, alone, though. He's still alone, yeah. He's, he's in like the, the depths of Destiny 2's tower as well, just on his own sweeping something. Um, but you can occasionally go down there just to see if there's like just really really something down there, there or no. and you just know they're going to do they'll do something someday with yeah. with that. You know. But it's the it's the promise, isn't it? Like that's the magic is mm. that you just they might do they might do. How yeah. have you been following us, Tom? Are you just reading about it, or are you actually playing? Uh, so I'm playing. I'm playing loads at the moment uh, because the next season's about to start. Destiny Two also has seasons, um, and I like. I guess the problem with Destiny is that it exists online as much as it does in the game. Like, mm. You're never going to figure that out on your own. Yeah. You're just not. Like it's it's as much. You've got to go onto Reddit. You've got to go onto the forums and actually be part. Not you don't have to like engage with people, but just to read the discussion and the excitement around the game. That's a, that's as much part of the excitement. Um, but I've, I've been playing it and trying to because I, I took a week off and spent too much of that week just hoovering up like exotic quests in Destiny. Uh, and exotic quests are, are brilliant. They they often have like bespoke missions attached to them and you know as, as well as a bit of grind beforehand it's funny isn't it because you kind of you you i go through this sort of mental process of because you do the grind thing where you've mm. got to kill 300 enemies with a specific gun that you may not like mm. you know and that can you say oh what am i doing this for and then this cool mission that you would never have got to experience just pops as once you've succeeded yeah and it's, it's like it's genuinely challenging uh, especially at the kind of power level it's pitched at and then when you complete it, you get an exotic weapon. And the weapons of Destiny are amazing. Like, the exotic weapons are really, really, really fun. And they feel so different. They're beautifully designed. and They all shoot differently. And just the, the the gun mechanics in Destiny 2 are incredible. Um, the way that they obviously, like, a source of consternation for community obsessives who love particular guns. They, they get nerfed, etc. But, I mean, I'm, I'm using one at the moment called Ace of Spades. And beautiful, chunky hand cannon. And if you get a kill with it, you press reload... And um, it's got like a circular, it spins it like, you know, you would like an awesome cowboy in space and uh, it catches blue fire. <laughs> and then the shots for the rest of that round do extra damage. And it's brilliant in Crucible because you just kill one guardian, one player, do your awesome badass reload and then double shot another player. And it just creates this amazing feeling of being awesome at the game, uh, even though I, I'm not very good at shooters competitively at all. But it definitely makes you feel like a god at the right points. Yeah, really good. I can't remember the name of the uh, 
the um, rifle, the uh, scout rifle that I like, the exotic one. Mm. It's after a quest, but you after you get a headshot, um, it it refills your your uh, clip mm. with by a bullet, so you can just keep. As long as you're getting headshots, you don't have to reload. But then every three or four shots, you see these little lights fill up. Oh yeah, right. It's cool. And then it just unleashes this kind of fireball at them as well and sets them on fire. So you're just continually shooting. As long as you're getting the headshots, you're continually shooting. And every fourth shot is is a fireball. The death blade, yeah. Yes. There's something in yes. Path of Exile. I haven't engaged with it yet, but there's um, one of the mechanics keeps mentioning that I haven't had anything that features it yet. Is called Frenzy. And then the thing I saw was like, it was a skill that every time it hits an enemy, it gets more and more powerful until the first time you miss. As soon as you miss, all that power, all those power stacks are gone. Mm. I think it's, there's loads of value in in basically texture, just yeah. making like one shot different to the next, or one fight different to the next, mm. and one minute different to the next. Yeah, so there was a nice um, in Diablo three. There was a monk skill uh, where there's this sort of like wind that kind of like the cycle of wind that goes around them, and you you cast it, and it's a level one. And it'll only last for about five seconds, but for as long as that you've got enemies within that circle of wind, and it really is close to your to, the, to your monk, um, it will go up to level two and level three, and then sustain it. And it means that you just you just have this urge, this kind of need <laughs> to be in in battle all the time. And right. as soon as nobody's around, you go, oh no, and you run as fast <laughs> as you can. Like you use every evade, you know, sort of skill you have. To keep your wind up, you know, so you don't have to recast it. It's a really nice little kind of. Mm. One of my favorite mechanics like that was in Borderlands Two, I think uh, Zero, the assassin class. Um, it was the very last skill I got for him. I think it might be like an ultimate one where you can only get it once you have everything else. And it was he could already stealth, and when he attacks, from, if he does a melee attack from stealth, it does extra damage, and I'd spec that up a lot. Um, and then at the top level. Doing if you kill someone with your melee attack from stealth, it re-stealths you for five seconds. And so as long as you're always killing things that you can kill in one hit, you can stay invisible forever, basically. Um, and that would just totally change your playstyle. <laughs> uh, the exhausted gun you get for doing this new secret quest in Destiny 2 is called Outbreak Perfected. And uh, it's about... It's a pulse rifle, and it's about getting precision shots... And when it's on a roll, it starts deploying nanobots that swarm enemies. Uh, and uh, players have discovered that if you take like three people with the same with that gun into <laughs> as a strike or something, like the nanobots, just, like your ghosts, Tom, they yeah. just go through the hordes and hordes and hordes and just loot everywhere. I, mean, I hadn't even thought about that. Path of Exile. If I had like four other guys with me who all had that Spectre thing, <laughs> we can all have like sixteen each or something. Just like Doesn't all that just get insane? Yeah. <laughs> It, there's so many parallels between Diablo and Destiny as well, and, and stuff yeah. like Path of Exile and Destiny. It's kind of it's interesting how the same stuff works for both. Sometimes, just how power feels and how what it means to be powerful is to have a cool trick thing that works every time and deletes enemies all the time. Um, but with certain behaviours, yeah. Yeah, but then Destiny Two has its raids and stuff, which are like an extra level of challenge. So it does have that. You could step up to do that if you want the more, you know, more friction. Mm. Mm. I like it. It's very good at the moment, Destiny 2. Oh, I, I, <laughs> I dropped it, don't. Because <laughs> I talked about it probably, I don't know, a few months ago, and mm. I was really into it then. Like, I do have this sort of moment where it suddenly, it all becomes meaningless. Mm. Like, all of the all of the quests I've got running at the same time, suddenly oh, it just popped, and I, it popped. 
And I kind of want it to unpop, but mm. at the same time, you should play other things as well. Yeah, <laughs> it's, be- it's also it's, it's a lot better with other people around who can kind of jump in with you to do quests and stuff yeah. like that. Yeah, it's true. It's, it's a really good social game in terms of just, yeah, yeah, you know, and doing stuff. What have you been playing, Alex? I've been playing something completely different. Mm-hmm. I've been playing A Plague Tale... Innocence. I think that's the name because I have a real hang up. Yeah, I have a real. I'm going to actually look it up. Is a plague tale innocence? Yeah, (laughs) innocence. A plague tale, or is it a play? Innocence tale. (laughs) Plague. Plague. (laughs) Uh, It is a new game by Asimov Studio, who done Fuel. Really? It's quite. It's quite a change. So Fuel was uh, an open world post-apocalyptic. Solo racer, wasn't it? Of course. Post-apocalyptic, why not? Like, yeah. it's a racing game, you know, or a car game. This game, it has, like, echoes of this, because it has, like, a sense of ambition to it, mm. that fuel, insane ambition that fuel, <laughs> yeah. but, but, um, but, like, um, it's uh, set in a sort of fantasy Black Death period, you know, sort of 1300s or something like that. And you play a sort of teenage girl, who is a toff in a little village in France, um, and uh, the Inquisition has come. The Inquisition, you know, is evil because they have English accents, and uh, they wear boots with spikes all over them, and sort of like armour tabards and whatnot, all kind of flecked with kind of grime, and they kill your entire family and all the staff. So that would be the clue that makes <laughs> yeah. it. Yeah. And... They, yeah. <laughs> uh, and um, you escape with your little brother. You don't know that well because he is very sick and your mother has been tending him. She's some kind of alchemist sort of sort of kind of a person who's been tending to him, his sort of chronic illness. Uh, and you're forced to escape your house and these inquisitional characters uh, into... And you're told to go out to a village. Go to the village... It, there's a there's a goddamn plague coming on as well, <laughs> which, which nobody really talks about. Was like <laughs> in the bucolic start where you're on a walk with your dad with the dog, um, uh, which is kind of teaching you. It, it teaches you there the, your main kind of uh, sort of ability, which is you have a slingshot, um, which is kind of used to. That'll help against the plague. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> pesky microbes mm. or throw stones at you at all. Um, uh, and it's a, it is basically it's like a, a linear story game, um, but with lots of stealth in it. Mm. And the stealth is actually the probably the weakest thing. I've played it for about two hours now, um, and the stealth is incredibly preset, like you have environments. So your your slingshot, its main ability is to uh, throw stones at metal things. <laughs> And the metal things will make a noise when the stone hits it and right. attract attention of, of, of patrolling enemies. Um, or you can find a pot, with, and the pots are always placed right by the extremely obvious sort of um, area of pale flowers. Like, it's kind of, uh, what's that sort of, uh, this is like a, you know, weedy flower sort of thing, mm. which you know that you'll be concealed in. And you can throw a pot on the floor and that will kind of, uh, attract enemies to that if there are no metal things around. So those are the two things that, and you're just attracting their attention so you can run past them. And it's kind of like, in terms of the the, the, the stealth puzzle, it's the same thing over and over and over. However, it also has rats. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> the rats are like the, the headliner for this game. Um, 
they uh, they kind of burst from the ground and they in these explosions <laughs> and they swarm. They're like some sort of fluid simulation and they swarm and skitter and but they're terrified of the light. So as you stand in the light, they'll kind of sort of you can see individual rats kind of shooting towards the light and then kind of turning away from it again. Mm. It's all very kind of simulated. Mm. Um, if you're holding a light, they're kind of you know kind of pooling kind of or your pool of light is kind of forcing them back if you kind of trap them they'll kind of pop into a kind of like little kind of sort of fiery kind of um you know i don't know they explode. Kind of very combustible they explode if they're it is combustible rats wow. <laughs> <laughs> um uh, and so there are loads of puzzles about how to traverse kind of areas of pooling rats mm. you know there are kind of there's deep mud that will slow you down so the rats will just come on you if you're, if you're so I'm at the start of the first night. I've been into a crypt. That I was thought, dark. So it wouldn't deep mud be more of a problem with the rats than it is for you? You'd think, wouldn't Having you? Having bigger, stronger legs. No, they they um, they swarm right over that, right <laughs> over that, and well, maybe uh, they're like light enough that it's it's a surface touching. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's probably it yeah, because it's quite gloopy. The um, uh, let's never test this. <laughs> <laughs> you're also holding the hand of your little your, your kid brother, who um, who could be really annoying because it's essentially just one long escort mission. But actually, he's he's really he like he's he's great. He's like just he does exactly what you ask him to. Wait, are you literally holding his hand the whole time? Or yes, he, yeah. So yeah. he doesn't move away from you. Uh, yeah, but you can you can press a button to make him stay somewhere, hmm. which I've seen no reason for. And apparently, <laughs> he will cry after a time <laughs> no. if you leave him alone. Because I would probably yeah. would cry quite a lot of <laughs> all the rats. Um, but yeah, like you move. You, he'll, he'll run at your sprint speed somehow on his little legs um, uh, and he is can just... he float on thick mud <laughs> <laughs> he moans about the thick mud yeah, <laughs> there's quite a lot of incidental um, dialogue that kind of covers that kind of thing um, and he's just really like it's it's evident that a lot of the effort in the game has been placed on the relationship between them like hmm. you're the your character is quite irritated at him and sort of when he's saying i want to see mummy like she kind of gets upset because she's just fundamentally seen her mum run through with a sword you know and kind of you know and breaks it to him in a fairly harsh way so their relationship is the thing so it's a it's very much a naughty dog kind of sort of mm. uh, third-person adventure story game, you know, in that sort of relationship, sort of sort of developing genre. Yeah, the, even the rat section you described sounds very, very similar to those of Uncharted uh, sections where they're actually spiders instead, but yeah, essentially it's like the same puzzle. Exactly. And then you've got, like, The Last of Us, which obviously has you and um, your sort of folk kid. I can't remember their relationship, but yeah, similar sort of. And, and, and that has the that, that has like stealth based kind of yeah. mechanics. I don't know, like Naughty Dog games would probably have what I've seen so far as like half a level, and then <laughs> never go back to it. And this is yeah. the thing with this one, like they've put huge, like it is beautiful, like it is stunning, and I'm I, ha- I am quite partial to a medieval sort of setting, mm. and you know it's beautifully, beautifully kind of. You get to walk through their, their their house, and there are people sort of tending. You know, there's a there's a there are uh, sort of booze stills that you can walk through, and um, workshops, and you know, farmyard. Is it all things. like real world, or is there fantasy elements? 
given given the i mean it, it's it's hot, very very heightened semi-realistic you know so like the armor is is very spiky <laughs> <laughs> and like the bad dudes are very big sort of thing you know um uh, so it's all very heightened but it definitely wants to sort of put you in medieval land you know mm. um and you know it does a really good job like there's a lot of photogrammetry going on so mm. it's really sort of beautiful woodland you know with evening lights kind of slanting through the through the trees and that kind of thing. Mm. Um, but that means that some of the dialogue and performances and just the sort of the pacing of things can feel a little bit kind of, you know, the naughty dog thing where they're obviously obsessed over the perfect transition and the perfect line and mm. that sort of thing aren't quite in this game because it's obviously much lower. lower. But, it, you know, it's good for it. But, yeah, like, they are apparently going to stay with a mechanic which is already feeling like okay, okay. <laughs> yeah i like you know the you know there are enemies that don't have helmets and you can take them out with a slingshot so there there is some nuance to the to what you can do you know you can your slingshot allows you to do two things like you can actually well it's not really two things like not slingshot so much you can throw rocks with your hand which gives you you know less range and won't kill anything, but it will allow you to silently um, throw it um, without raising attention to to, to trigger a so metal thing. That's your stuff. Nice. Your slingshot because you're it's, it's like you were <laughs> right, right. like this. How big is it? Makes it? <laughs> <laughs> I'd like a Bart Simpson thing in my mind where it's like the V-shaped oh thing yeah no it's not a sling yeah no it's like a it's just like a David and Goliath style right, kind right, of right. leather mm. sort of whirly thing whirly. that kind of throws the, the rock very very fast I guess it's a catapult if it's yeah maybe that, yeah, right. that, the catapult would be the Bart thing yeah, yeah. Um, uh, but then there's also like I came up there's a boss fight fairly early on and it is boss fucking fight. terrible mm. it's really bad what do you have to do so are you trying to kill so yeah, like boss? I suppose it's a minor, minor spoilers so don't listen for the next sort of couple of minutes because it's like but it's really early on um, the boss has armour on him and you and so you can't and he has a helmet so you won't be able to kill this guy with your slingshot because he's wearing a helmet and you it will not knock his helmet off however his helmet on his, his armour on the back has weak points where it'll remove the armour <laughs> and you'll slowly take off enough armour, revealing weak points underneath that would have slowly and somehow take off on. the helmet. And you can't put it, put it back on. And, of course, you get round the back of him because you allow him to swing and then he's, like, right. waiting for a moment while but he can't, like, compo- recomposes himself. There isn't, like, a stealth route to defeating his boss. No, there is, if only. If only there was. Because um, you have this dodge move and it's just the worst dodge <laughs> Like, you just can't quite uh, predict where you're going to dodge to. Mm. And sometimes you'll dodge into his thing because right. you thought you were pushing the other way. But no, apparently not. The game has decided. And there's a delay. Like, the game wants you to feel vulnerable because you're like a teenage character. You know, you're not you're not fighting Mc sort of night face. You know, you're kind of, you're kind of, your your mental so the boss's name. <laughs> yeah. No, he's peasant, fighty, but peasant face actually. <laughs> um, but uh, it means that, like you know, 
there's a delay on everything. So your slingshot takes a few moments to charge up. Like, and that's fine in the main gun. But if, as soon as you're wanting to fight something, yeah. it's really like, and you have I got enough distance? Oh, he's one shot you. And you get one shot by anything trying to kill you. Mm. So that was frustrating. It, and it feels like, again, it shouldn't really have boss fights. It's, yeah. not, mm. it's not a sort of a, a perfection game. It's not a kind of learn yeah. system, you know. Um, it also has a crafting system. <laughs> oh, God. To collecting sort of bits of leather and things to upgrade just your slingshot, but you never really want to use the slingshot in the first place. You want to see night, cool medieval stuff, mm. and like it has a very good line in gruesome things happening to monks by rats. You know, like that's that's the headline around here. You Can know? you manipulate the rats into killing your enemies for you? Well, um, I believe there will be at like, some point you'll see lies enemies. about your enemies. Yeah. <laughs> 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 There's, um, so the enemies apparently will have lights. They'll, have, they'll be holding lamps and they'll be surrounded by rats. And if you... So if you... So if you uh, nice. That's cool. But like, I, that's cool, mm. an idea. Maybe you'll do it once. That would think, yeah, that's great. <laughs> but like, how far does that idea go? I don't yeah. know. Yeah. <laughs> this is funny, it's reminding me a lot of Shadwen, which is that... Um, right, yeah, yeah. Uh, stealth game where... Uh, it has rewind in it and uh, grappling hook, and you also have a someone you're trying to protect. But in this, in Shadwen, you're never leading them by the hand; they're basically completely separate from you. But they, Shadwen also does a good job of not making them annoying because they basically they move from hiding spot to hiding spot, so hay bales and, mm. and stuff like that, and they're completely invisible when they're in them, and they won't move to the next one until you've made it clear for them, basically by distracting a guard or something. And they'll try and get there, but then if the guard unpredictably turns around in that, that time, they'll just run back to where they were. Oh, so okay. you sort of you fail to make progress in getting them towards the exit, but they don't get caught and killed or anything, so it's not it's not frustrating. And also, the game has rewind, so it's just like any mistake you do make, you can always just go back a little bit. Well, but again, checkpoint. I mean, that game is just full of absolute catnip for me. Like stealth game with a grappling hook and rewind. Are you kidding? Mm. <laughs> it's not the best game ever, but it just and it is great <laughs> for like you know, an hour, and then it doesn't have anything else for you. It just does that again and again and again, and I, I didn't finish it. I got to my, the point where I'm like, okay, I think I've seen everything here. I don't think it's ever going to do anything different. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm done wondering. Like, it's it's got enough of a structure that I do want to see the nights. Like, you know, the so, you know, I've played now from the start of the day, and we've gone through the afternoon, and now it's twilight, right. and that means it's going to be right. bad. Like, I've crossed <laughs> this this sort of field as twilight's coming down and the rats are coming you know and and that it's well done and you know it probably you know i mean unfortunately at the same time when you you kind of you're told you know the mother tells you go to the village and find such and such because they'll and then you go to the village and oh he's not there but maybe he's up there okay we'll go over there and now oh no, you got to go to this town it's like surely can, can narrative designers not come up with a <laughs> better way of kind of making you have feel agency in mm. in going through the world i mean obviously it's a linear path but you know but the but the 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 fact of night is much more compelling you mm. know like you know that is something that is coming and you know it's coming and that works really well and it's yeah. definitely pulling me into the next bit um the section in uh, an abbey uh is really nicely done mm. as well where you know you have to go you find the monks and there are only two left and why are there only two left and what was that noise and <laughs> oh my god <laughs> and like it's it's that's really one 
for some reason we have to go into the crypt. <laughs> okay. Uh, and that was, that was really well done. Um, the other thing I would say about it is um, there's something that really bugs me <laughs> with uh, representations of the past, right? Where you're going through these abbeys and villages and things, you know, of the 1300s when they were built. <laughs> but they all look old. Everything's really old. Because <laughs> <laughs> they took all their photogrammetry pictures and fly as they are now. It's like, yeah. why is everything old? <laughs> and I get that, I get really annoyed about that in like films and things as well. It's, I bet they, I mean, obviously it's, it's way more convenient to do this way, but I, I also bet some, some movies or whatever have tried doing like the clean, fresh goes, stone. I can't buy this. Looks, <laughs> I bet it looks cheap. I bet it looks like, yeah, oh, you've like, yeah. this in like two days. Come right. on. <laughs> Yeah, I, I, I'm sure. I'm sure there are real challenges about it, but I don't know. I'd really like that to see that solved because, yeah. because I, I don't know. I think that there's some, there's a magic to the idea, like the, uh, to, of, of of when things were built that you are familiar with, you know, years and you know centuries later. Isn't there a game that prominently features a cathedral being built? Yeah, well, I was thinking Eternal Darkness is the one I think of, oh, like where where you go to like this is ancient GameCube game. And there's a level where you go into this 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 you know this cathedral by you know in the in the present day, um, and then you get to visit it when it's being built, and then you visit it when it was being used as a um, an army hospital during the First World War, and like and you're going through these familiar spaces, but each time they're transformed by the period mm. that they're in, and like I found that really compelling. Like mm. you know I'm sure it'd be really clunky as shit now and awful, but but the, the concept of that, I've always held, held yeah, on to. Yeah, that was a really, really interesting game. It was a GameCube game, wasn't it? It was from yeah. 15 years ago, something like that. Yeah. Maybe not. I think I'm thinking of something different, because I, I seem to remember oh. Pip talking about a game on the podcast. Oh, I've got to play this game. A few years, that, that was like a narrative game that featured a cathedral being built. I can't remember. Oh, wasn't it like a sort of ta- strategy game or something? Like a narrative I, I can't remember. <laughs> I, I do remember Pip talking about that. I guess I'll, well, I'll dig it up in the show notes. I'm way into this. Um... There's a really interesting point that um, Alex about aging buildings and crumbling buildings when they should have been contemporary because it kind of contributes to a sense that people lived in squalor without dignity in those periods, <laughs> which is a classic thing. Like when people think of medieval times, they just show you know, do you know where everyone living from? in shit. Do you know what the, where that came from? <laughs> well, I understand it was Monty Python Holy Grail. <laughs> Up until that point, like it had all been sort of knights and kind of rather pristine, mm. you know, and kind of this bucolic idea of like happy peasants. <laughs> and then, then, um, most part of the Holy Grail they came along with all these people playing in mud and like, Being oh, this is some real thing. You're <laughs> doing it for a joke. <laughs> Look, they're actually making jokes about them being the proletariat. Yeah. You know, come yeah. on. Like, no, 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 this is real, real, real kind of medieval. You know, Dead, Deadwood did this very well. Like, Deadwood yeah. shows the, the town being built and, like, there's, the, obviously it's like they're literally having to pave over shit because they don't, haven't built the roads properly yet. But people sort of built their dignified abodes and built their lives and actually appear to be like ordinary dignified people living in the time that they actually lived in. Yeah. And it's weird how that, that's undermined itself. And that, um, Wolf Hall was very good at this. I thought the BBC had adaptation of Wolf Hall. Did yeah. Really well. yeah. Um, and uh, Wolf Hall was brilliant because they even tried to uh, simulate the lighting of the time by having actual just candlelit scenes. Hmm. Obviously, they must have used a little bit for for some of it, but you get this sense of pervading darkness and peace almost at night when people are discussing things in their in their rooms. It's pretty yeah, amazing. It was really, really atmospheric. I think that came, that idea was first done by a Kubrick film, um, uh, sort of set 
similar period, and I've forgotten all that. We'll put it in the show notes. Like that, yeah, it was all filmed by, by Candlelight, and it was a complete nightmare to film. <laughs> I'm surprised. Especially the film stock. Apparently, like, you know, the film Collateral with Tom Cruise, and mm. uh, it was shot in loads of nightclubs, and apparently it used some uh, techniques that actually allowed them to do a proper nightclub scene because they could just take some cameras into a nightclub without painstakingly refitting all of the lighting and having to address it. Because the camera stock was able to cope with the low light conditions much better than other types of stock. Oh, wow. um, so it's, it's a technological advance as much as a kind of aesthetic one for directors and cinema. Yeah, films, I think. that's interesting. Mm. You're Let's... Tell the Game of Thrones people. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. quite right. So maybe, you know, like this is photogrammetry kind of like being a problem mm. because like where are you going to sample your brand new kind of medieval buildings from? <laughs> Let's get down to B and Q and sample some, you know, <laughs> some fresh planks. <laughs> You're right though; people wouldn't buy it. People wouldn't buy it. But I think, yeah, it's been it's been good so far. But I don't, you know, just you just wonder in a world of free games that are never ending, or like <laughs> like you know, like Path of yeah. Exile, or, or a game which is paid for but also never ending yeah. in terms of Destiny Two. You know, this feels like. Um, a game from another another time, you know, where you know it's a sort of a sort of AA, very much an AA game, you know, mm. where there's been a lot of money, but you know, it's cool, good rights. Just reminded me that um, uh, we there was some news, uh, which is there's a Blood remake. Uh, oh, really? Yeah, you remember Blood, the the build engine game? Yeah, um, that was. That was my favourite of that era, like the the Duke Nukem versus Quake thing. I was kind on the side of Duke, but I didn't really truly love either of those games. Then Blood came out, and I absolutely loved it. Um, and yeah, uh, Night Dive have done a sort of modernisation of it. Huh. Um, I, I shouldn't say remake; it's a remaster. It's like uh, it's the exact same game, but in a new engine. Um, and so it fixed like the number one thing with the build engine, which is when you look up and down, <laughs> it's not a weird nightmare perspective. <laughs> um, and I, so I've I've only watched footage of the the remaster. I haven't gone back and looked at footage of the old game. And they've, it seems to me they've done exactly what you want with this, which is it looks like I remember it looking, mm. which is to say it probably looks ten times better than it used to look. Because <laughs> uh, that game has like it's sprite based enemies. Um, but they had had some like a few technological advancements um, because I remember the graves are voxels. Like you start in a graveyard and the graves are, are voxel shapes, like they're um, properly 3D. Um, but the thing that reminded me of it is there's, I've totally forgotten this until I watched a video of someone playing the remaster, um, but there are th- there's 11 secrets in the first level. And the first level is the size of Doom's first level. It's like a, a, a corner. You just look around and then finish it. But there's 11 secrets in it. And this guy gets them all. There's like five I didn't know about. I played that game like you know, five times through. I didn't know about loads of the secrets. Um, but most of the secrets are full of rats. And the rats come out. And I, I didn't remember them being a thing you had to worry about. I thought they were just like ambient you know, decoration. Uh, but I think you have to worry about them because this guy literally throws dynamite every time he sees the rats. <laughs> like, he'll just throw a stick of dynamite to annihilate them all immediately. <laughs> like, maybe they did, like, one point of health when they hit you or something, or... Yeah, but, yeah, that's a very different approach to rats. <laughs> I, that, I mean, I've heard of blood, uh, but I've never played it. What is, it, what is the, the blood thing? It's Duke Nukem, but with a horror theme. So, so it's you are... absurdly detailed world... With horror. Yeah, um, and kind, a little bit comedy. Actually, it's the Evil Dead of that era. So mm. it's, it's uh, and it references the Evil Dead um, a lot. And every other horror movie ever, It's and The Shining a lot. Um, 
and it kind of had, I guess it was a little bit more serious than Duke Nukem. It wasn't a pure comedy game. Um, but yeah, you start in a grave. You've just woken up and you're part of like uh, the Chosen, which is like, I don't know. I can't really remember the story stuff, but you've been betrayed by Chernobog, <laughs> naturally. Uh, and you've got to get um, your girlfriend back, I think. But basically it involves stabbing uh, cultists with a pitchfork. And the cool thing about it was like every weapon was a little bit different to how things are normally done. So you start with a pitchfork, um, and then instead of like a standard pistol, you get a flare gun, which you know, shoot it into people, and three seconds later they burst into flame. Um, and then instead of you know grenades or a rocket launcher, there's dynamite, which you can either cook or you can have it explode on impact. Um, then there's a voodoo doll later on where you just like stab it to <laughs> stab the enemies. Um, <laughs> And I seem to remember you could also, like, you could either stab it to, like, the enemy you were targeting would, would take the hit, or you could just kind of wave your hand over it, and I think everyone caught fire, or everyone like, just took shitloads of damage, uh, but it hurt you as well. Um, and then there was, like, a staff that created flame, and um, it had really good, like, theming. Like, every level was, there was a carnival level, and there was a just a straight-up shining level, and um, each place felt really different and had its own motif and stuff and the just combat was super satisfying just like everything died gloriously well <laughs> you know level one you're throwing dynamite at groups of cultists and they're exploding into jibs and stuff and <laughs> neither do you nor quake nor doom or anything like that ever ever let you get to the fun stuff that quickly sounds, it sounds close to hex and but with them yeah, yeah i was thinking that. yeah that's reasonable <laughs> this is great i try this should we do questions let's do some questions I wanted to do the questions this evening. Yeah, the new question master. Um, Andy writes, after hearing Crease... Crease! <laughs> good start. Good, good start. start. Chris goes away for one week and suddenly we've forgotten his name. Uh, Who is this Crease that we just Crease? <laughs> after hearing Chris speak warmly about Star Trek Online back in episode 274... I thought I'd give it a go, maybe allowing it a max of 20 to 30 hours of my life. Two and a half months later, I have now caught up on nine years of that MMO. Thanks! Importantly, I did enjoy my time with it. Uh, there's some great trek in there. The overall look and sound, plus an inv- impressive number of cameos, really punched the nostalgic lands. My question then. What long-established MMO or game should I inexplicably uh, stink my time into next? Uh, any ones that you guys have been tempted by during these fever dream moments, Andy? I noticed WoW Vanilla has just yeah, yeah. Or, or been relaunched or whatever. And people are saying that it's kind of still has something to be worth playing in these fevered times. <laughs> I, mean, I, just, I sort of I do feel nostalgic about that. I haven't, I haven't played it in years and I was never big into it. I never hit the level cap or anything. Um I do every now and then. I think about just places I was. I went in World of Warcraft that mm. I kind of want to go back to just to see it again. So I played it kind of way after the curve, and it meant that I was going through areas that like, there was just nobody ever there. <laughs> I think this is the problem with going back to these MMOs that not many of them. I mean, this I'm, I'm completely speaking from a pretty ignorant point of view because I don't play that many MMOs. But like the ones I have, they've all don't feel they've been designed. For to you know to be those you know entry areas don't seem to be designed to bring the existing population into them very much mm-hmm. 
I wonder, I don't know what accolade WoW gets exactly, but it feels like the longest, it's not the longest running game. Because I remembered it like, you know, it was an active thing that, that we covered before release at PC Gamer. And when the beta was live, like everyone was obsessed with it. And, you know, that was, what was that, like 12 years ago? Yeah. It came out in 2005. Like an insane amount of time. And it's not like there were other games running, you know, 10 years before that that are still running today. But still, the, like the scale of production on World of Warcraft for that amount of time feels unprecedented. Like, is there any other game that has that many people working on yeah. it for that long? Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. With stuff like lineage and things like that, might be my to be. Yeah, EverQuest is still going. It's, but it's, it's not the same size of production as you say. Yeah, yeah. it's quite the same thing. I wonder if like total number of man hours is a thing. Like, what's what's the game that has the t- most total number of man hours went into it? Yeah. Probably some Rockstar game. They just bought a studio in um, in, uh, in, in India. India. Yeah, so now, yeah. studio. now they're just going to make tiny, yeah. tiny kind of impossible headline textures for DJ Six. Yeah, that's how a lot of that. All stuff the works. asphalt in in, in oh, an God. American city. Yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, my recommendation, if you want to play a sort of aging MMO that's still brilliant, uh, is to go to Guild Wars Two. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. That's which really is cool. fantastic and yeah. really pretty, and um, like really great value for money, and is still being updated and it's still getting used. I can see that is game that... just not really dating very much. Yeah, because it's, the art style is just it's really so good. Yeah, is that free or do you buy it once and then there's no subscription? Is there? There's no subscription. I, mean, I, th- I think you it's, buy it. Maybe. I think you basically buy the base game and, and then, then you buy the expansions. Yeah. It's, it's a pretty traditional model. The last time I checked, which is like. A year or two ago, like when I last checked into it, I um, was I was thinking about that recently. I think Path of Exile brought it back to my mind because I was thinking about like innovative skill systems for like what your abilities are, mm-hmm. and that I love the way in that game you could just sort of your weapons determine the skills. And so I was, I want to say like a ranger type. I can't remember what it was actually called, but I could have um, what I had on my left and my right hand would determine my skill bar. And I think I had like a dagger on my left hand and a torch in my right hand. Mm. And that was a really weird combination where like my dagger let me do like forwards rolls and then my torch let me set the ground alight. And there were ways to combo those things. And, but I could equally, you know, have different weapons in, in each of those hands. But the, each class only has certain weapons they can use. Yeah. So like your class determines, you know, the set of weapons you can choose from, but then you get to customize exactly what kind of build you want within that. That's really cool. It was really clever because you had two halves to your taskbar. And one weapon, if it was on your main hand, would determine certain types of main hand uh, abilities in half of the taskbar. But if you wielded it on your off hand, it would give you different abilities. Yeah, that's right. And that's where the weapons became really complex because you mix and match different, like a torch with a, a scythe would be a very different thing if you were wielding the scythe in the off hand and the torch in the main hand, like that kind of stuff. Um, it's, it's, yeah, it's super nice. It's a really cool world as well and just a nice place to exist. And yeah. I liked, I liked the fact that it would just reward you for just visiting everywhere. Mm. Like it was really did. Yeah. There's some really nice kind of exploration kind of like things to do, you know, it yeah. would reward you. And I just love feeling like just completing a map, seeing everything on it. Yeah. It's ambient world events are still just like the best version of that. Like Destiny has copied it. With good reason and more yeah. things that should where it, it like it automatically enrolls you into an event if you kind of stray near it and throw a shot and then you you stand to win all the rewards by participating and continuing to be equally free just to wander off. Warhammer game. I think there's, there, it's existed in a few different MMOs in different versions. So I remember reviewing Rift for PC Gamer, which was hmm. like a, oh, yeah. a, a um, 
and then we're at the time. And that had like loads of really interesting ideas about how to do dynamic events where portals would spawn on either side of the map, then monsters would run from one portal to the other, mm-hmm. and you could like get in on destroying this convoy with the other players, and people could all organically drop in and drop out of the quest. Uh, but the most streamlined version was God Wars 2, and you know, Destiny 2 does this really, really well as well. They've just like taken the same idea and perfected it. Um, but yeah, loads of kind of those slightly shonky MMOs like Rift had really cool ideas that have since become mainstream, yeah, quite quietly. Um, and so it's like the same with um, uh, Path of Exile, like loads of those systems are from Final Fantasy, <laughs> like the, the gem socketing system, yeah, it's is Final, Final Fantasy, Fantasy 7, 7 really. And yeah. the um, the web system, there's been a few Final Fantasies, but 12 in particular was you're on a giant sort of board of skills huh. and you're buying your way through it. Yeah. Uh, it's an odd place to take inspiration, but Final Fantasy is weirdly innovative. Like, in its oh, I, I absolutely love the the, gen, the material system. Me from, too. Yeah, from, like it's just so exciting to kind of explore the, the sort of programmatic sort of responses to absolutely. putting certain abil- abilities into certain slots mm. and like weapons. Like the, it wasn't so much the damage output, but it was the pattern of material slots on it that would be defined really, as you. really strong. Yeah. And that they were linked as well. And it would be yeah. interesting, like Alex is right, it's programmatic in the sense that um, you'd have a, a material, a magic spell called lightning and you'd swap bolt, whatever, you'd swap slot bolt in here and it's linked to another slot and you've got a sort of support uh, magic uh, crystal just that's just called all <laughs> and then you put all into that and then suddenly lightning targets everyone all your enemies on the battlefield are sold just one uh, so it's full of like loads of kind of modifiers it's a really elegant yeah. system and it wasn't too overcomplicated either yeah it was like a it, yeah and it really unfurled really it unfurled incredibly slowly actually because <laughs> <laughs> you're talking about like a yeah, Japanese 20, RPG, 20 year old JRPG yeah. 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 Yeah, but, yeah. but it was yeah it's it really really exciting I remember um, Elder Scrolls spellcrafting has got like more and more stripped out as it's gone along. Like hmm. Morrowind had really in-depth one, and then Oblivion restricted in some ways, and then Skyrim you can barely do it at all. But in Oblivion, sorry, in Morrowind, um, you could basically pick the effect and then pick the target, and it could either be like on target meant you would like shoot down like a fireball. On touch meant obviously melee, and then on self was another thing. And it was just like it was totally amp agnostic about like is this a harmful or a positive right. effect it was just do whatever you want just mix anything with yeah. anything mm-hmm. and um, I kind of broke the game for myself because I did um, restore health um, on self and then there's stuff like um, like how it's delivered how it spends mana and all that stuff and one of them is just constant effect and constant effect is the most expensive one and it multiplies all the other expensive things you're choosing and restore health is one of the most expensive spells and then doing it on yourself is expensive. And But if you have I, I've taken the soul of a god and put it in a unique soul gem to like pay for this and that let me do restore health on self constant effect which means I'm just healing all the time <laughs> at quite a significant chunk of health and I got to the point where I no one could hurt me in any way. <laughs> Yeah, around And then in Oblivion, I made Paralyze Self, <laughs> which is just, <laughs> it was like, uh, that was all it did, and it, that was not too expensive to make, because no, no one wants to do that. <laughs> but because Oblivion had, like, ragdoll stuff, and, like, the way, it, when you paralyze someone, it just freezes their ragdoll, but it's still, like, a physics object, and it's, like, a little bit bendable. And this animation for casting a spell, you, like, put your hand dramatically into the air, and that's the moment the paralysis hits. I just did it, like, there was no practical benefit, but I wanted to just walk to the top of a mountain and paralyze myself and then just fall down it as a rigid statue. And it the top worked yeah. amazingly. <laughs> top Gun theme plays. <laughs> 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 
I love that shit. Like, I even love that in Final Fantasy VII, if you fought undead stuff, cure, damage them. Yeah. Like, what, yeah. I don't know what metaphysical world that is, where, like, what are they, it hurts you to be closer to being alive again? Is that yeah, yeah. Sort of the logic? <laughs> oh, no, I don't want to be better. I like oh. being bad. <laughs> I like my body of shit. <laughs> that was uh, my whole build in Divinity 2. Yeah. Okay, you pick two characters. Thing. And mm. so I picked one who was, um, uh, I don't know what was it like a race you could pick or something where like poison healed you? Yeah, the um, undead. Was actually undead. I yeah. remember like looking like a zombie, but anyway, one of them was that, and the other was like a ranger with poison specialty, so she could poison the enemies, but also heal her friend because was undead. Spells are good. Thank you, Andy. Um, uh, this comes from Marius, dear critic and connoisseur. I bought. Hyper Light Drifter on release and bounced off it within the first two hours. Three years later, I reinstalled it on a whim and get after getting over the, some initial humps. Uh, should I do? I'll, I'll do the, the, the. There's a footnote sign. I'm going to do the footnote now okay. so it's not. You know, I yep. did, was worrying about breaking up the the the, the flow of, of the, the layer, but I've done that now. Yeah, so exactly. um, this required a bit of counselling from the friendly CNC Discord. Uh, this being the humps, so they helped. Oh, yeah. uh, I'm finding I'm enjoying it quite a lot now. Uh, what's the longest you've taken to come round upon a game? Keep on podding, Marius. Hmm. I mean, there's stuff like Eve Online, which I still haven't come round to. Yeah. So it's like a a decade-long project to try and get into a game I should love based on, you know, the way it looks and the atmosphere of it and stuff like that. I did, I mean, I've, I've I got as far as to understand, like, the appeal of it, like the, the sort of crafting and the spacecraft, which the systems worked really well and, like, mm. you know, the, the signatures that it left and, like, all the different sort of attributes that you're thinking about when you're kind of thinking, when you're specking out the spaceship. Yeah. Realised that it was so huge and so... <laughs> life sort of suckingly large even if you just wanted to pad around and not belong to a, yeah, uh, a corp uh, I thought yeah I've got to go <laughs> <laughs> also like you know you generate some amazing stories but uh, the corp life does sound like a job for the mo- for most people involved yeah. I mean there is a life that I would like to lead in that but I just don't po- can possibly fold it into real life mm, sure. myself but people do like you know that amazing story that's come out in the last few weeks about the um the, the US government aid or someone oh, yeah. in the government who got fired for corruption as a, a member of the interstellar yeah, yeah fired for corruption as a member of the interstellar committee mm. um, on EVE uh, but it turned out that it was um, they hadn't uh, that um, CCP hadn't looked into the situation adequately and uh, and he had what hadn't been into corruption I can't remember what exactly it was about I think it was I, don't know, I think it was feeding his knowledge from the Interstellar uh, Committee into his ac- actions in the game. Mm. I fucking, I don't know. But anyway, uh, he was reinstated, but he's kind of decided to go on a holiday from it because it was all too much. <laughs> too much. And it was the fact that he was he's fundamentally a part of the Trump kind of, um, uh, um, uh, you know, sort of... Um, Government. Uh, I love it when politicians play video games. <laughs> I think he's in the lobbyist community. I don't God knows what. Anyway, I amazing. watched his like campaign video because he just campaigned on the fact that he's a real life politician. Yeah. It's just like, <laughs> yeah. it's like, oh, I didn't want to do this, but all my friends said, oh, you should totally run for the Eve Council or whatever. 
He totally got in. Yeah, no, that wasn't the best impression of him, to be honest. <laughs> um, I was going to talk about. Uh, I was going to say um, uh, Total War games, where I have bounced stuff. And I talked about it last week a little bit about the fact that I finally made headway in my first <laughs> ever Total War campaign, <laughs> having tried so many in the past. Um, and I'm happy to report that Queek Headtaker on normal difficulty. I'm not going to. You know, this is not like a hard run or anything. But um, he is poised to go into the final kind of ritual um, of uh, the campaign, like the standard campaign, the, the Vortex campaign. And uh, I think we're ready. We've got six armies. They're all fairly well specced up, and mm. I'm willing to lose my, my, my empire as the chaos sort of warps in, cheating like fuck, you know. <laughs> That's what they do. Oh, God. It's, chaos gods. It, it does feel, like, I must say, it does feel... Very artificial, <laughs> and if if like if it, if they just had a warp sort of animation, mm. like that might help. But the thing is, you also get these armies appear that apparently other other factions have have kind of forced on you, and they literally just appear next year. It's like, yeah. well, okay, I'm guess I'm fighting some elves, even though they're on the other continent, you know. So that's kind of shitty, but mm. but um, yeah, he Queek, good old Queek C, he's right on it. Queek's great. If you ask me again next week, the answer might be Modern Warfare 3, because I'm about to play that for the first time. Because <laughs> I, I need reference points for Tactical Breach Wizards. Like, we're riffing off the Call of Duty thing, but I haven't played the Call of Duty game in years. Mm. And so I could go back and replay one of those already played, but I never played Modern Warfare 3. So might Why? as well now. Let's, yeah. let's, see, let's yeah. see what kind of bullshit they, <laughs> they pull. <laughs> just see the bullshit. I, if nothing else, it would be good just for, like, the lingo, like... Just that stuff about, like, um, you know, uh, I had to look this up what it actually meant because if I was going to reference it, I wanted to make sure I understood it. But um, when you're you're always talking to, I'm trying to think of like a squad name. I can't think of an actual one, but let's say like Red One or something. Uh, you'll say like, this is Red One to Red Actual. And I, I always want to know what red actual, like the actual thing. Yeah, definitely, is. like, I would use that 100% because it just sounds, mm. it's the quality thing, it's always in all of them. Um, and I looked it up. It means, it basically means the kind of commander, just the person in charge of the operation. Actual. Yeah. Why? What does it mean? Like, why would you say I actual? think it might be short for actual authority. Oh, okay. I'm guessing there, because yeah. I've seen that phrase in the Steam Works backend. <laughs> <laughs> like it's one of those properties I can give to a user. So like, military kind of lingo is worked its way down. To me, I'd never heard of it before, but um, uh, it made me laugh because the roles were like administrator or actual authority. <laughs> do you want to feel like you're authority or do you want to have actual authority? <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Marius. Um, and this final question comes from David. He writes... Uh, I've been thinking recently about the way that languages contribute to the feel of a game. I can't imagine playing Stalker without hearing Russian. A Yakuza game dubbed into English would feel just wrong. Cinco Pause would be a very different experience if it were in English. Better one. Assuming <laughs> <laughs> you don't speak Portuguese. Uh, uh, creating a sense of foreignness can be in, foreignness can be intentional, e.g., leaving bits of non-English languages intact in a a game translated or intended from an English-speaking audience. Or it could be something we create ourselves as players, like choosing to muddle the way through an import game. How has language affected your gaming experience? How much of an unfamiliar language are you comfortable with handling in games? Thanks for the pods! 
David. Yeah, Cinco Paz is in Portuguese, and it's also a game that obfuscates its rules. It, like the point of the game is to learn its rules, and it's the the, the effects of the wands you're using is mysterious, and you like there's like three stages of not knowing what the fuck they do. <laughs> Stage one is you literally don't know anything about what they do. Then you use them, and if any of the effects it does have were relevant to what happened, doesn't tell you what they are, doesn't tell you what they did, and I can't tell what they did, but some icons appear, and the <laughs> icons have meaning. And you can look up what the meaning is in the like glossary or whatever, but it's in Portuguese. <laughs> and so I totally agree. Like, no, I mean, absolutely, Cinco Palsy is trying to go for a feeling of the foreigners. It wants you to be a little bit lost, and it wants you to figure it out from the mechanics more than the text or whatever. But putting in Portuguese is not a good solution to that because you don't know whether your user speaks Portuguese or not. Some of them do. And yeah, so yeah. for those people, if your idea... if like, the This game having, is easy. Yeah, if the experience <laughs> I'm having is the one you intended as a developer that I'm not supposed to know what these mean, you're fucking up for the Portuguese people because they do know what it means. <laughs> so, like, you can't have it both ways. Like, like Make get... it actually impossible to understand or make it easy to understand. Yeah, I was going to like mention made-up languages in games, which is like, yeah. a constant uh, way of doing this. Uh, but it, like, it even comes out of... Pragmatic concerns, so Simlish is a good example of this, where obviously if you're just throwing at a house for ages trying to manipulate this soap opera, you're never going to A, have them saying things in context that make sense, and B, this is going to be endless repeated. Yeah, it's kind of like Bark's gone crazy. the worst extent. Yeah, imagine The Sims with Bark's, like it would just be <laughs> infuriating. Cooking a meal! <laughs> Take <laughs> rats. <laughs> Taking a shit. <laughs> Where's the bathroom? <laughs> I need a wee. <laughs> Looking. <laughs> Interacting with daughter. <laughs> Cooking. Uh, so yeah, that, that, that would be awful. But there's stuff like, um, even on old cartridges where obviously maybe you couldn't even have proper speech or if you're going to have speech at all, there's only going to be like a couple of words. You'd have everyone just go... And then Navi in Ocarina of Time goes, Link! And that's the one human <laughs> word that is used in the entire game as far as I can tell. But I always found out that was quite charming. I find that... Yeah. I, I find that I feel like I'm in a fantasy world then, a, a kind of almost a light-hearted place. It definitely allows you to fill in blanks. I was, I was thinking about the kind of, like, so going back to to, um, to Zelda, uh, when it came out, I'd switched um, Twilight Print, no, uh, Breath of the Wild mm. to the Japanese um, version of audio because the English performances <laughs> are so hokey. And, you know, listening to performances in another language covers up all manner of kind of the sort of horrible kind of like the Yakuza games I mean I understand they are the voice acting is marvellous but like you know playing it in Japan in Japanese you know yes I, I'm willing to buy into that idea that they definitely are well, just, for me like Kiryu's voice actor in particular is yeah. such a part of that character yeah. that I can't imagine it being anyone else which yeah. is yeah, important I think that that's like Spans language, doesn't it? The sense of uh, a voice and a tone fitting, uh, yeah. you know, a, a type of character is is really important. I think there's like a, a world of inflection that just can't sort of easily fit into, you know, mm. fit. I mean, I suppose what I mean by fit is not only sort of, you know, will the translation work, but also can you get it to to work with what the animal models are doing on mm. the screen without completely changing the whole, mm. you know, sort of scripting of the scene, you know. Kiryu just sort of going, 
Yeah. <laughs> you know, and that having like, oh, yeah, <laughs> yes, Nyerim, that's the best, you know. Like, you know just wouldn't I remember, work in any English sense. This was a long time ago, so Buffy the Vampire Slayer was an ongoing concern at the time. And I remember hearing that, um, like, in France it's dubbed, and the, the people who dub, like, Buffy and Giles are celebrities there for that role, which is a weird thing, <laughs> like, in the tree. <laughs> there is some, there is a real person on the screen you're seeing. It's not this person, mm. but they're still famous for <laughs> supplying that role. Yeah, uh, Hitman has a, an interesting kind of history with language, and this is a thing where like I might just be reading too much into it. But um, Hitman Two, you are mostly going to places where the locals did not speak English and the guards did not speak English, and they are yelling things at you and they don't speak your language. And those games, they've. I think I feel like they've strayed from it a bit now, or they're less interested in, in developing it. But well, they're all American now. Back apparently. then, yeah. Back then, I because I was obsessed with these games and I <laughs> loved them. Um, and the narrative side of it was pretty weak. But the just the like the fact that you are you're such an outsider. You're not. You are a sociopath, but you're also you're not. You're like a clone. You're not even sort of like a born human in the normal sense. Um, and you're, you're just an outsider in so many different ways. And I felt like they were trying to exaggerate that for you and put the player, make the player feel the way the character feels. Because the character feels like he doesn't understand anybody. Nothing anybody does makes any sense to him. Uh, he can't imagine other people's emotions and, and relate to them in any way. And in Hitman 2, one of the ways that was manifested is most people were speaking not an English language and you're playing in English um, and you don't understand what they're saying to you and you just feel disconnected from them. And it's a game of like you're going to be killing a lot of people <laughs> and creating that distance is, is both uh, narratively maybe true to this character and also kind of convenient for letting the player enjoy just murdering a bunch of people like, <laughs> let's not make you feel too much about them and then um, that was him and two and then contracts I don't have a lot to say about uh, but then blood money is mostly set in America mm. and but they I felt like in that game they were exaggerating sex mostly for to create that distance like the sex stuff in blood money is really exaggerated like um the women all have giant breasts and the men are all super muscular and they're also just talking about sex all the time and i don't know if this is true but i had this theory that that they wanted to make the player feel the way the character feels the character i, I take to be asexual and i think it's weird to him that everyone's so obsessed with sex and talking about it all the time and so they played that up and made it even more exaggerated so that even as a player you're thinking like why god everyone's just constantly talking about fucking like with no sort of no emotion to it and it all feels very foreign and strange and then this like, and it was for a while it seemed like the hitman series was kind of exploring different ways of alienating you from the people around and language was one and sex was another and then after that I don't have a theory for the other ones because I think I don't think they carried on with that if they were ever intending that at all hmm. I am um, it feels like quite a, a generous reading <laughs> that's fair <laughs> I was thinking about um, World of Warcraft and um, how when you pick Horde or, or Alliance hmm. you you kind of and, and, you're, and the race you are it cuts you oh, out yeah, of yeah. being able to understand NPCs. Really? Yeah, I, mean, I like but that. Not just NPCs, but other players, right? Well, that's right, yeah. Other players, can, they can type in their chat and they, they can understand each other, but you will see it as goblins. That's right, yeah. I, like, yeah. I, like, I really like that, that idea. Yeah, 
it's not really sort of it's not sort of in your face at all but it's just like a little layer of stuff like it and it's super rpg as well like it's mm. it's one of the little things about it that is it reminds you actually of its lineage you know because yeah. a lot of it isn't rpg at all you know just mm. thinking about dps and whatever i love them um, rpgs that play with that um you know changing not only text op- options but the way text is read and displayed because this is kind of an obsolete thing now because almost everything is voice acted uh, of a certain budget um but if you go back to stuff like the original fallout i think if you had a low enough inter- intelligence stat it changed all of your conversation yeah. options so you can only speak you know, mm. which is um and then there was a vampire masquerade mm. where like one of the vampire races you could choose was uh deranged and they couldn't could they not talk at all or could they only talk in, in <coughs> some weird way like all their conversation options were different in yeah Caribbeans, i think wasn't there like uh, I can't think. Of this, this I did play the game, but I didn't pick that race, so I don't know. <laughs> I don't have any first-hand experience of it. Yeah, it's a cool way of messing with stuff. Expensive though. <laughs> like, I would never do it in a game I was making. <laughs> was like, That's a lot of effort to put into one option. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's a bit different. If you've got a spreadsheet that with of text strings, basically, yeah. versus you know something that someone's going to have to act out, and you know, might be changed in future. Yeah. Uh, I should mention Heaven's Vault. I mean, I've already talked yeah, about everything. Yeah. That's why that's interesting, but obviously that's relevant here. Of course, yeah. Yeah. Well, thank you, David. And thanks to you. Me? Tom. <laughs> you, Tom. Thank you very much, Alex. All the things. Uh, <laughs> do you want to do the outro <laughs> You started so Otherwise, I know I felt completely out, uh, out of my depth. We can all chime in with anything we remember. But you can follow Create and Crowbar on Twitter at Create and Crowbar. Um, and there's a YouTube channel, youtube.com slash Create and Crowbar, where we just basically put this podcast up with a still image. Um, and yeah, actually, no, we do a that. still yeah, relevant image. It's been a while since the last. It's been a while, and because I'm editing and I don't have the template, it's unlikely to be even that good this, <laughs> this week. Um, then there's the Patreon. We are yeah. supported by our lovely Patreon backers. And thank you to everybody. Yeah. Yes, thank it's you. wonderful. Uh, that's patreon.com slash Um And then I think we're in on Twitter. Yeah. Uh, I am at Pentadact, P-E-N-T-A-D-A-C-T. I uh, talk to you, I'm at PCG Ludo, which is O-D-O. And I am at Rotational, R-O-T-A-T-R-O. You can't spell Rotational, but everyone knows how to spell it. That's a word. You have the only name that is easy to spell from just hearing it. Yeah, it's hard to say. Ironically, language. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks. Thanks, everybody. <laughs>